Thanks for joining us for the Westbridge Church Podcast. More information about Westbridge Church is available at westbridgedanville.com. Here's this week's message from Pastor John McDougall. Good morning, church family. Don't you love that song? So I was thinking about this uh, year being the year of hope, thinking about putting our hope in His unfailing love. One of the things God uses is song. And this song, written by Aaron Keyes, but brought to us through a story Pastor Tyson hopefully one day will share with all of you, but I think it's been a, a song, I know it's on my top ten playlist, one of those you can just sing throughout the week, the goodness of the Lord will see me through. And what I love about it is it's singing truth, it's singing the promise of God in, in uh, Psalm 23, where powerful language, David says, Surely goodness and love will follow me or pursue me all the days of my life. And we are hounded by the goodness of God in Christ. And we have much to be thankful for. But life is hard in spite of that, isn't it? <laughs> I was thinking about, you know, we've been talking all year about putting our hope in His unfailing love and blowing a hole through the clouds of despair so the, the light of God's love is just shining, always present in our lives. And yet this week I found in my own life, and perhaps you felt in your own life, the clouds of despair just keep rolling in, don't they? <laughs> Threatening to, to cover up the reality of God's faithfulness. So we walk by faith, not by sight. And when the tough times come, and when we hit the valleys, and the shadows threaten us again, we hear the call of our risen Lord who says, look to me, put your hope in me, see my unfailing love. And as we put our hope in his unfailing love, he renews our strength, Isaiah 40, 31, and we bring him delight in Psalm 147, 10 and 11. And so one of the ways we do that is song. One of the way we do, do that is getting together here for our, our uh, we call this kind of our family meal time. If you're new with this, so good to have you and hope you feel welcomed. One of the ways we do this is as a band of brothers and sisters getting together, just encouraging each other. And we call this discipleship. This is where really the, Jesus said, go make disciples. And, you know, it's, it's just doing life together. So it's, you know, Don Johnson at McDonald's with two young brothers, two young guys just meeting every other week to open God's word, pray, say, what's going on in your life? And, and you know, how can we follow Christ? What's, what's that look like? And so last week we heard about our women's ministry, which is really helping women in the realm of discipleship. Today, quick preview of our men's ministry. And we have Tim Howard, who happens to be our resident foot surgeon, which is an awesome picture of helping us walk after Christ together. And so he, uh, he's leading this, and turn it over to you, Tim, thanks. So you heard a lot last week about Tammy had for all the ladies, and so I'm going to share a little bit what we have for guys. It is a little bit simpler, just because we're a little bit simpler uh, in that standpoint. So um, there are really, the, the purpose of men's ministry, we look at Ephesians 4.1, where Paul says, you know, I, Paul, prisoner of the Lord Jesus, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling, right? So the, the purpose is to encourage men to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. And Paul says it all throughout his epistles. So we're going to do that through, three, through four different areas uh, that we're going to have different names for each one. But the first one, is, the Greek word is poly for struggle or fight. And this is our fight night. And we're going to have this twice a year, once in the fall, once in the spring. First one's going to be November 9th. So there's going to be more information on that. But this is where we gather together, men, and we have one Friday night, and we just challenge each other on a particular issue, uh, and we struggle with that together, and we fight together with that, all right? The second area that we're going to work on is called pragmatikas, and this is, means real, authentic, and this is our Saturday morning men's breakfast, where you can just get together, men share real stories about their testimonies and how God has been working in their lives, and it's around really good and lots of food. So that's on the third Saturday of every month. Uh, so, and that's happening now. So, third Saturday every month, you guys are welcome to come to that. And that's here in the fireside room. The third thing is Dakime. And this is, I'm not going to put Zach Huff on the, the line here, but uh, Dakime means proven character. And this is a, something I use with our basketball team. 
but proven character. These are going to be individual events that are going to be randomly throughout the year. Could be a men's retreat, and maybe an opportunity to get some guys together and head out for a wilderness trip. It's going to be different things that will come up, and we will update you as those opportunities uh, arise. The last thing is called akinizo, and this is to sharpen, and this is going to be a discipleship opportunity. Men coming alongside other men uh, to walk alongside with them. I've been there. I've done that. I'm going to walk with you through it. And this is where we're going to be able to challenge each other and sharpen one another in our faith. Awesome. Thanks. We thank Tim for leading. Excited. Well, we uh, today we come to our final uh, message in this series we're calling Seasons. And it's the final season, the, uh, the fourth, and it's the season of the recliner. And I thought, you know, just to, to fill this moment, you know when after a long hard day you drop down in one of God's great gifts to humankind, the recliner, and that sound that you make, ah, can we just do that together to fill it? Ah, <laughs> that's where we're at today, the season of, of uh, or the final season of our life. Now, I thought it would have been so neat if we could have done a deal with one of the furniture stores and lined up a bunch of recliners in back for anybody who's in this season of life, in the, this final stage of life, to which we would have immediately asked, well, who qualifies? And uh, at what point do you, are you in this season? Well, we could use the gray hair test that we see Solomon speaking to in Proverbs chapter 20, verse 29, where he says, the glory of young men is their strength, but gray hair the splendor of the old. And so it's that gray hair symbolizing the wisdom and what have you. But I don't think that test would work because there's some very, very young people here who are going gray already. So the gray hair test wouldn't, doesn't really work for, are you in this season? So can we just go with, um, we'll pick an age, pick a number. How about 72? 72, does that work? Last week, the, the age was 20, adulthood is 21 to, to 71. So um, Christy, is that all right? Is that good? Run with 72? Okay, it is. Everybody, all in favor. So we'll say, if, if when you turn 72 years old, you are now in the season, the glory of age. Now, as we use this word glory, immediately I can hear someone who's in this season thinking, time out, hold on. Glory is not the word I would use to describe what I'm going through. <laughs> and uh, Larry Myers, who in fact right now is recovering from gallbladder surgery, praying for him, but he's in the hospital. He, he told me one time in the foyer, they told me these were the glory years, but when I arrived, the gold turned out, I'm not the glory years, the golden years. But when I arrived, the gold turned out to be rust. Things just keep falling apart. <laughs> you wake up each day, each day wondering what's going to blow next. And... Uh, Thankfully, God in His Word is, is honest and, and uh, doesn't sidestep or, or minimize actually some of the pain that comes with this season of life. And in fact, Solomon speaks into this in Ecclesiastes chapter 12. He uses the pain of age and the, uh, the extreme age as a motivator for young people to pursue God while they can still do all the things that they enjoy in their youth in, in this passage. He says, remember your creator in the days of your youth, before the days of trouble come and the years approach that you say, I find no pleasure in them. And then he, he puts it in poetry, but he says, before the sun and the light um, and the moon and the stars grow dark, we, we stop seeing as we once did and the clouds return after the rain. When the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men stoop, when the grinders cease because they are few, our teeth start to wear out. And and those looking through the uh, windows grow dim. And he goes on a rather depressing passage here. He gets to the end, verse 8. He says, remember him before the silver cord is severed and the golden bowl is broken. A picture of death. And before the picture is shattered at the spring and the wheel broken at the well. And the dust returns to the ground from where it came. And the spirit returns to God who gave it. And then he ends, as he's been doing throughout this book, meaningless, meaningless says the teacher, everything is meaningless. Now remember, it's important to remember Ecclesiastes is written under the perspective of just a human look at life without the perspective of, of our God. And yet, even as we read this, knowing what Solomon is, is doing, he's developing a, an argument here that we'll get to in just a moment, that it is hard to see strength 
taken away from strong men and beauty from, from women and the dignity, the indignities of, of living under the curse and what aging can bring. We can find ourselves at times saying, what's the point? Meaningless, meaningless. But here's the good news, you guys, in Christ. The one who came, lived, took humanity upon himself, died, felt the acceleration of aging, and felt the pain in ways that that none of us will ever experience, rose from the dead, and said, come follow me, and offers that resurrection and the recreation of soul. He tells us, and we know as we look throughout Scripture, age is not meaningless, meaningless. But if God grants us age, if He allows us the number of years, 72 plus, or whatever we would say, that is a gift from Him to be redeemed for His glory. There are unique opportunities to bring Him glory through this season of age. Say, well, how can that be? What's that, what's that look like? Well, God has a word for us today. First, he gives us a prayer to pray. And we're going to look at, I think, one of the most powerful prayers to pray as an, if you have entered this age or if you're caring for someone who's in this age. Second, we're going to look at three unique opportunities to maximize the, the glory of age for God's glory. And then third, we're going to end with a promise to cling to that's just a, a precious comfort as we enter this season. So, first we'll go with the, uh, begin with the, the prayer to pray. Now, it's found in Psalm 92, which if you ever struggle to remember this, okay, if we say this age starts at 72, and we'll say, if you make it to 92, two more decades, that's, that's a good thing. So, 92, Psalm 92, Psalm 92. Here's, your, here's the prayer, and it's a mindset-shaping prayer. Um, changes how we see this whole process of, of aging. So join me there. It's Psalm 92, and we'll, we'll have to cut to the, the middle of it, but it's verses 12 to 15. It says this, the righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon, planted in the house of the Lord. And in, in this poetry, it's important to know what, when he says house of the Lord, he's talking about the presence of God, representing living in the presence of God. They will flourish in the courts of the Lord. Once again, in the, in the presence of the Lord. And here it is. They will still bear fruit in old age. They will stay fresh and green. Isn't that awesome? Proclaiming. And, and remember, what's the goal of life? What's the purpose of life? To bring glory to God. And what do we see the righteous doing here? Proclaiming the Lord is upright. He is my rock, and there is no wickedness in him. Just to unpack this text a little bit, the righteous. When he says the righteous, what's he mean? What, what, who is righteous? The righteous person is the person who's in right relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ. And then, not only living right with God, but pursuing a right life that flows out of that. So the person that's empowered to live this through Christ and the gospel, but also determined to live a right life. And what is the mark of the righteous person? They flourish. They bear fruit. Fruit means the good works that God created us to do. And age doesn't stop them. Isn't that a great picture? So we grow older, and truth is, when we hit 72, strength's going to begin to diminish. But the soul only grows stronger as it's rooted in the presence of of the creator and becomes more and more like Christ so that this person, even in old age, has the capacity to do good for the glory of God. Isn't that a great promise? But now, let's turn it into a prayer. And here's the simple prayer to pray. Lord, and this is a prayer as you, as we, should you be in this season or caring for someone in this season? We can pray this over the people who are in this season. Pray this, Lord, Help me live rooted in your presence, bearing fruit for your glory. Isn't that great? Lord, help me live rooted in your presence, bearing fruit for your glory. Now, when we take this and and turn it into a prayer, do you see what that does to our mindset? Sometimes when we get to 72, the enemy whispers to us, it's over for you. The rest is just, oh, no. Let me ask you a question. 
is God big enough to do His greatest good through you in the last decade of life? More good that He did, more good in this last decade than in the previous seven? Is He big enough? <laughs> Some of you think you're, you're wanting to laugh right now. And uh, you say, I'm 88. I, I don't see that happening. Watch out, watch out. Abraham would say, be careful what you laugh about. Remember this? Genesis chapter 17. 17, Abraham, after God told him, you and your wife are going to have a kid. Abraham's 100, she's 90. Abraham fell face down. He laughed and said to himself, will a son be born to a man 100 years old? Will Sarah? <laughs> oh, yeah. Because it's not our strength that accomplishes the good that God calls us to do. It's Him empowering us as we simply live by faith. And so isn't this a great prayer? Anchor our faith to this. So that what this does is, rather than thinking retire, and remember retirement is a, a Western concept that's really pretty recent. And, and honestly, for the, the body of Christ, it, it hasn't done us a lot of good. So it's, as a follower of Jesus, we're not thinking retire. We're thinking redeploy. And, and should you have the opportunity, save up money, and you're able to retire from your vocation so that you don't have to spend your 50 hours of work, hours a week going in, now you're thinking, Lord, how can I use those 50 hours for you? Investing in the kingdom. Rather than retire, I'm thinking redeploy. Isn't that a great mindset, great prayer to pray? Reshapes how we see this season. Help me live rooted in your presence. Bearing fruit in old age. All right. Now we come to the three unique opportunities that this season of life brings to us. And where we see them, they're throughout Scripture, but specifically where we see Paul. He's at the, in this season of life. Actually, he's in, scholars think, probably his mid to late 60s, which in that day, we'll just say that was 72. It was beyond life expectancy. And he's in a prison in Rome. So, and he, he's sensing God's whispering to him. You're close. You're almost ready to, to uh, head home to heaven. So there's some passion and urgency as he's speaking into the, uh, one of his mentees, Timothy. And Timothy was a leader in the church. And just a powerful passage of Scripture here in 2 Timothy chapter, we'll begin reading in chapter 3, verse 10. And here we see three unique opportunities in this season of age to, to uh, maximize it for the glory of God. So verse 10 reads, Paul's writing, you, however, know all about, and the phrase to circle there is know all about, my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, my faith, my patience, love, endurance, persecutions, sufferings, and what, now interesting, is he lands on this, my endurance, my persecutions, my sufferings, and then he, he, he stays here. And really, we, we see the purpose of this whole text. He, he's wanting to encourage Timothy to carry on in his unique life mission. But listen to what he says here. What kinds of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra, the persecutions I endured, and here's the important phrase, yet the Lord rescued me from them all. What's the first opportunity we have if we've made it to to this season of age, it's to share stories of God's faithfulness. Yet the Lord rescued me from them all. As we read this, I'm thinking, okay, what happened, Paul? What happened in Antioch and Iconium and Lystra? And to which Timothy replied, you haven't heard? Oh, my. And we know a little bit through the book of Acts, but Timothy knew. He's seeing it. Perhaps he was with Paul at, in some of these instances, but most of them were probably relayed from Paul as Paul pulled Timothy aside and said, hey, I've got to share what God did to sustain me in this situation. In that situation, he passed the story on. If God allows you 72 years here on earth, one thing you have is stories of God's faithfulness. Moments when you weren't sure how you were going to get through, around, up, down, and he provided again and again and again. Stories are, are for sharing. I, you think about the way God, Jesus often taught in story, and stories just stick, don't they? We, we love a good story. 
And a story, often as humans, we, we want to make the hero of the story ourselves, but what Paul do right here? Every story comes back to the faithfulness of our Lord. This is how the Lord rescued me, sustained me, provided. We're, we're seeking His glory, but we share the story. I thought, you know, it'd be a great determination if, if we make it to 72 to decide I'm not going to be buried with a good story. I, I'm going to share this thing. I'm going to get it out. And, and so think back. Say, well, I don't really have a story. My life's been pretty boring. Well, what makes a good story? Pain, right? Suffering. Like Paul said, if it, if it doesn't have some drama in it or some tension, the tension in our stories is really it's the pain points. So if you're in your adulthood season and you're in a season of pain, to write it down, put it down in a journal or something. But this is a, really the story of God's faithfulness. He's going to see you through. And then if he lets you live, give you the opportunity to pass that on. And so as a, if you're in this season of, of age, I was thinking it would be a neat exercise to go back and just take it by decade and say, okay, each decade I'm going to write down one story that, that, where God provided proof faithful for me. And then you have a book, seven, seven chapters long, introduction, conclusion, good to go. And then those who are younger could say, okay, if we have someone who's in this season in our family, next family gathering, Christmas, Thanksgiving, whatever, right after dinner, story time. And maybe prep them ahead of time and say, hey, would you just think of a good story of God's faithfulness in your life? And we give them the floor. And who knows how God can use a story? Stick it in the hearts of, of those who are up, of us who are coming up alongside to encourage us and keep us on in our faith story. So right now, I thought it, as we talk about this and be just wrong to keep going and not share a story, Many of you maybe are even now thinking of a story God's given you. I immediately thought of, of Brad Gregory and a story that he shared when his father was passing on. And powerful picture of God's just gentle grace to us, especially in, in the tough season. So you welcome Brad as he comes to share a story. <laughs> well, good morning. My name is Brad Gregory, and Pastor called and ask if I would share this story about when my dad was uh, going home to be with the Lord and to talk about God's faithfulness in my life and the life of my mom and my sister. I don't know if he thought about that, but you know it would take a lot longer than five minutes <laughs> to tell about God's faithfulness, but I will do my best to honor that. Um, my dad passed away uh, in February of 2017. He was 79 years old. To give you a little information about him, he was a farmer he was also a music teacher. He, was, he liked to be known as a teacher of singing and a, great, and a choral director, and he was really good at those things. And when my dad retired, um, he kept the farm, still kept his beef cattle, and he started teaching um, a homeschool choir down in DeKalb County, the next county south. And he did that through his uh, late 60s and through his, his 70s all the way up till two weeks before he passed away. In fact, um, when, I, when I went up there, um, after he had passed away, I found his notes for the next choir rehearsal. So he was still busy working, and he did that for the glory of, of the Lord. He taught kids um, religious songs, Christian songs, uh, and he would send them emails like every week, uh, just proclaiming Christ into their hearts and lives. So that was... That was my dad. He loved the Lord. He served as Sunday school superintendent for many, many years in our church. And he just loved to do the things that God called him to do. The last three years of his life were tough. Um, he, was with a, he had a walker. Um, he would have days where he really didn't feel well and really didn't do anything but get up and move to his chair and then go back to bed later that day. There were several times in the last six months that I would run up there because we thought he was going to, to go to be with Jesus. We didn't think he was going to make it. He would make these miraculous recoveries. And uh, he, he, was, he was tough. He hung in there. Uh, if you've ever seen the movie Up and Mr. Fredrickson, that was my dad, right down to the glasses and the walker, and he moved that same way. Um, so dad... I would get a call from moms, the dad's not doing too well, can you come up? I'd go up there, and he would be in the hospital, and, and, and then he'd make this miraculous recovery, we would go home. 
And we would go home, and then mom would say, you know, it would really be helpful if you would build a step up into the house, and if you would do this and put a grab bar here. And so there were all those times I would go up there, I was working to help make life easier for them. All that time, I was like, I'm not ready to let, let my dad go. And I had to, I had to grin and bear it, but in, in my heart, I wasn't ready. I loved him, still do. And um, so I'd work hard to build whatever it is to make it work for them. And God would raise him back up. I took a group of students to Cedarville that February, as I've always done for almost 30 years to participate in music showcase. And the whole weekend that I'm over there, my sister's texting me and saying, you really need to come, you really need to come. And I said, well, I'll come as soon as I can. I got back to Heritage Christian um, about 8 or 7 o'clock, I think, on Saturday night. And I sent her a text. I said, I'll go home and grab a few things, and I'll come right up. And uh, as I got those kids taken care of and I got home, I just threw stuff in the backseat of my car. Carl and the kids, I think, were still in Cedarville, and they were going to come later. I took off and drove to Angola, Indiana, way up northeast corner of Indiana. And um, on my way, I was just silent. No radio, nothing. And just thinking back and keep reminding myself how much I was not ready to let Dad go. And then I, I got up to about Fort Wayne or just south of Fort Wayne. I just said, Lord, I'm just not ready. I can't, I can't let go. And it was silent for a little while longer. I got north of Fort Wayne between Fort Wayne and Auburn. And then the Lord spoke. And he said, do you believe that I will take care of your dad? Well... Growing up in the church, I certainly I believed that. And uh, so I finally I said yes. And then it was like the Lord said, then just don't worry about it. It's all going to be okay. And at that moment, peace flooded over me into my heart. And all that heaviness was started to dissipate and leave. And I still drove up all the way to Angola to, the, to where Dad was in the hospice care. And Mom... Mom's car was the only one left in the parking lot at midnight, and uh, by the time I got there and parked, I was, I was pretty, pretty happy with the way things had gone, and I had, just, I had put new trust in God. And I walked in, and Mom was holding Dad's hand and talking to him, and I said, she said, pull up a chair. So we sat there and talked till 2.30 in the morning, I think. And I said, Mom, let me tell you something about what God has done. And I told her the story of driving up and just being in silence for such a long time. And then God spoke to me and brought me that peace that passes all understanding. And she smiled like moms do. She goes, the same thing has happened to me and your sister. We're all ready to let him go. And that was God confirming my faith. And God delights, loves and delights to confirm her faith. That our family came to that conclusion all within 24 hours of one another. That God's faithfulness went on. My dad had not been conscious for a couple of days by the time I got up there. Sunday, my family was up there by then, and we all got up. My sister went up. My mom was so tired, we just told her to stay in bed. And we went up and stayed with dad, and dad woke up. He couldn't talk, but he knew we were there. And I was able to read scripture. I was able to play some of the great choral music that he loved that exalted Jesus Christ for him. And he held out his hand. We took it. Man, God's faithful in those final days. The next day, we told Dad we had to go home. My sister and I, she lives in Cincinnati. He said, well, we'll be back, Dad. Don't worry. He woke up again. I had a chance to talk to him. And just spend that, those glorious last moments with him. And I came home that night to go to school the next day. And I got a text from mom uh, about midnight. And she said, or a call. 
got me up and said, you know, Dad's breathing and his heart has changed. I just wanted you to know that. And early the next morning, there was a text there that said that Dad went home to be with the Lord that night. And uh, it was a glorious thing. So when we did our thing, my sister and I, and we all went back up then the following day, and we began to share the stories of my dad and the things he had done. And it was just so awesome to be able to talk and, and to tell the things that he had done in his life and how God had confirmed our faith through, this, through his death. And, uh, and I just love the Lord Jesus for all that he's done. And I love the fact that God did confirm in my heart my faith. That I, you know, I knew all those answers to be absent from the body, to be is to be present with the Lord, and that God loves us and takes care of us. But boy, it was hard to let that go and let God do His thing. Don't we find ourselves like that a lot of times? And I finally did, and God showed Himself absolutely faithful to me and to my family. Thank you very much. Thank you, Brad. Stories of his faithfulness is one way that we can bring our Lord glory in this season. We could pray and and head home right now, couldn't we? But uh, we'll keep on. There's a couple more in this passage that are so rich. The second opportunity that we have as we seek to uh, bring glory to God in the season of age is to be an encouraging presence. And one of the what, what Paul's about to say next to young Timothy, if we can put ourselves in Timothy's shoes, it's like a 50-mile-an-hour wind of encouragement in his sails, which I think will encourage him for the rest of his journey as, as Paul um, gives him encouragement. And basically, we'll sum up his encouragement this way. Two, two main points. One is, Timothy, you are equipped for what God's called you to. And second, you must endure as you follow him. So his first encouragement, you are equipped, is 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12. As he uh, begins by acknowledging, in, in fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evildoers and imposters go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, Timothy, continue in what you have learned and have, uh, have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you have learned it, how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures. And then he begins to instill confidence in the Word of God here in verse, six, uh, verse 16 as he says, all Scripture is God-breathed, or literally God-inspired. The idea here is not that God ins- pumped some guys up to say, hey, write, write my thoughts down. It's that God-breathed his thoughts through men who, through the power of the Holy Spirit, wrote down the very words of God. Tense, mood, everything. Voice of that word, the grammatical word. That's what we have. And he says, all Scripture is God-breathed, and it's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in, in the righteous life, in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Isn't that awesome? Everything that you need, Timothy, you have it right here. And then he goes on, in the presence of God and of Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of His appearing and His kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the Word. Timothy, don't try to tell people about your good idea or your opinion or your whatever, or the next, you know, wise thing that this guy says or that guy says, let the message of your life be this. Preach the word. Proclaim the word of God. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. There's something in us that wants to make God in our own image and then listen to people who confirm our opinion. And it's so slippery, isn't it? 
It's scary. The older I'm getting, the more I'm, I'm scared even of myself. I was listening to, tuned in to Joel Olstein just to listen to a little bit of his talk this week. And he, he, 90% truth, right? He's, he's talking. But then that little slip, that little twist where it becomes human-centric versus God-centric. And success is not bearing the cross and suffering for Jesus Christ. Success is the car I drive or the house I have or the promotion at work and packs the house. Why? It's not sound doctrine. It's what I want to hear because I want the promotion. I want the car. I want the... God says, Timothy, time's coming. When uh, instead of to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and aside to myths. But you, keep your head in all situations. We'll, we'll stop right there for a moment and talk about the, uh, this first encouragement, which is you are equipped with the Word of God. So for those of us who are in, if you make it to 72, to this final season, what a gift to be able to turn to all those coming up behind and say, guys, God has given you everything you need for your unique life mission, and it's right here in the Word of God. This is what Paul is doing here for young Timothy is really instilling an unshakable confidence in the power of the Word of God to stop and just think, this is God's Word to us. This is the wisdom that we need. This is relevant in every situation, in every culture. This is the timeless truth. Powerful, he says, to make us wise for salvation. The Word of God is what convicts us of our guilt, that we need a rescue, but it doesn't leave us in, in our guilt, but rather it points us to our Savior, Jesus Christ. John says, these things have been written so that you may know that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and believe Him. By believing in Him, you may have life in His name. We, this is the Word of God that tells us that we are saved not by what we do, which every other world religion says you must do enough. Your good must outweigh your bad. The Word of God goes against all that and says there is only one thing that you must do. Repent and believe in the name of Jesus Christ and you will be saved. This is the stewards the message of the gospel but also helps us understand how to live in the power of the gospel as we follow Christ we don't do so in our own power only through his power that fuels us and keeps us going and, and we live by faith and the word of God is what guides us and directs us as we do and what a gift to have someone who is has age there's just something about you, you can't quantify it but they've they've lived Brad's dad, they've, they've walked with God these years. And to look back and say, hey, there's a lot of good books out there, but there's only one that you need. And I thank God for the heritage that I have. I, I remember sitting at my grandma's kitchen table in Pontiac, Illinois, with my first real Bible and opening up her Bible and writing what was on her front cover into what was on under my cover. And this is what was written in her, her Bible. Never think or say that this book contains the Word of God. It is the Word of God. It is supernatural in its origin, eternal in its duration, divine in authorship, inexpressible in value, infinite in scope, regenerative in power, infallible in its authority, universal in interest, personal in application, inspired in totality. Read it through. Write it down. Pray it in. Pass it on. Feast on it and live it out. Isn't that awesome? From my grandma. What a gift. You are equipped with everything you need to live out the calling of God on your life. Treasure His Word. Second encouragement, though, he says, is, is that you, are, you must endure. And this is really... The theme throughout this passage, as Paul knows, is preparing Timothy for some suffering. Verse 5, he says, But you, keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, 
discharge all the duties of your ministry. Finish what, what God has, has called you to do. Here Paul is preparing Timothy with really true encouragement, which is not to lift his burden from him. Say, poor Timothy, I'm sorry, can I help you carry that? No, he's saying, Timothy, I'm calling out strength in you. You need to fight the fight. I'm going to be gone. You're a man, step up. Endure hardship. Decide right now, I will run through the flames. Carry out the work of the ministry. Do the work of an evangelist. I'm not an evangelist. Paul, I'm not like you. Didn't say you had to be like me. I said, do it. Right? Get out. Share the good news. Exit your comfort zones. It's not going to be easy. But what a gift. Do you feel the hope coming out of that? To have someone of age, a, a warrior, a seasoned warrior, looking back at a young man saying, hey, you can do this by the power of God, and you must do it. And what a gift to have someone... With, with years, come alongside of us and encourage us. I was thinking of that, uh, here's a great prayer to pray. If you're in the season of age, if you, ma- if you made it to 72, this week, ask God to, to bring someone along your path who you can encourage. Do you do that? Even now, just pray, Lord, bring me someone that I can, one, encourage through and just give them a verse from God's Word and then say, hey, by the way, you're equipped with the weapon of weapons. Live in it. And then second, you can encourage them just to keep on. Don't stop on your mission. Keep on. Larry Hintergart will stop by almost every quarter. He's in this season and drop by the office, and he'll, uh, he keeps a close eye on time, doesn't want to interrupt my study, but it's 10, minute, or, uh, 10 minutes. And a simple thing is, hey, Pastor, I just stopped by to see how you're doing, how your family's doing. I want to pray for you. And I, I can't tell you what it means just to have this brother come alongside, and, and it's his presence. Larry's fought the fight. Um, he's continuing to fight the fight, but um, encouraging. I've shared this story before, but I must share it again. It's so good. It was, uh, I was early in my uh, preparation to, to be a leader in the church, and fear is my, was my thing that would just spook the daylights out of me. Am I, am I going to have enough to do what you've called me to do, God? And it was in Dallas. I had just worked out at the Tom Landry Fitness Center and hopped into the Whirlpool after the workout, before going to class. And there was this guy who was clearly in the, this season of age, white hair, come to find out he was 85 years old, which that triggered in my mind Caleb's age when he told Joshua, give me that hill country. We got to talking. His name was Bob Curtis, successful businessman there in the Dallas area. But he didn't get pumped about his business. He said, you know what fires me up? I've been doing this for the past five years. I started traveling the world, and I just go out and tell people my simple message, which is how to have joy. Jesus first, trust him and follow him. Others second, put them first, and then yourself third. That's it. He goes, I love sharing that message. And you could feel his, his um, enthusiasm was contagious. And this was the kicker. He looks at this scared young man in the whirlpool, and he goes, and to think, you've got your whole life ahead of you to do that. And I walked out of that workout facility saying, Lord, did you just send me an angel? <laughs> fired me up just that's it what a gift I've got you have whatever God's called you to yes there will be challenges but he's behind it and what a gift to have a guy 85 years old that moment in time still fueling for so who might God use you to encourage and then the third opportunity in the season of age is that we can leave a last lap legacy of hope Look what Paul leaves Timothy here in verse 6 and 8, 6 to 8. He says, for I am already being poured out like a drink, drink offering. In other words, he's given his all as he's serving Christ there in that prison. And the time for my departure is near. Will God let you know when, when you're almost home? Often he does, i found. He did for Jesus. He, he did for Paul here. I've been with people nearing their finish line. And it's interesting how often, not always, but, but often he will, He says, the time for my departure. And don't you love the word he uses for death, departure? It's not an end. It's the picture of a ship sailing. It's it's cutting loose from here because I'm headed there. And where there is, he goes on, he says, I have fought the good fight, finished the race, kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. 
What is Timothy seeing as he looks at his mentor on his last lap? He's seeing a man whose eyes are fixed on Jesus Christ and the, what's to come, the hope of what's to come. He's seeing the lights of heaven in his eyes. He's seeing pure hope. What a legacy to hand off to young Timothy as he will go through some tough times and he will come to his own last lap. But to remember Paul, this is how you do it. I love what Jesus says to Peter in John 21. Remember, Jesus tells Peter, when you get old, people are going to lead you around to where you don't want to go and they're going to have to dress you and all that stuff. And in fact, I need to write this because at first that sounds depressing, but when you uh, read it, it is powerful. I didn't mark it. I'll, I'll go ahead and just uh, share. He says this. John says this. Jesus told him this to show him with what kind of death he would glorify God. What is death? Nothing to fear. It's an opportunity to bring glory to God because we know, as Brad's story shares, his sustaining grace will see us through. And so, when the curse comes kicking you down the hospital hall, taking a shoulder, taking a back, taking a leg, taking an organ, and you're laying there in the bed falling apart, somebody says, how are you doing? You say, well, this body, I'm, I'm ready for a new one, but my soul never been stronger. Because there's something that the curse can't touch, and that's a soul that belongs to Jesus Christ that has peace like a river, joy like a fountain, love like an ocean, and I've never been stronger than I am at this moment. Right? This life, just as our body has fallen apart, if we have been walking with Christ and pursuing Christ, we're about to prime spiritually. And if God gives us the grace to live, He will give us the grace to become as we walk with Him faithfully so that when we get to that last lap, it's nothing to fear, but it's an opportunity to, to let those who love us say, see, this is what hope looks like as it runs through the finish line. So Monday I was up in the attic doing a little consolidating, or uh, Tam's not in this service, throwing things away. And <laughs> I opened one of these boxes that that uh, was marked Chad, and when I opened it up, it was like Christmas morning, the stack of books that I had been looking for for two years was there. It included my passport, and um, these books, like, just, I, 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 they were nightstand thing of books that I thought I'd forever lost, and one of them was my journal, in which I had put on the front page of my, this journal, 14 North Star people, the people that, you know, when your soul gets all discombobulated, and you're just like, Ah, and you just hit pause and recenter. The first one is Jesus. Love God, love others like him. And, but then I, I list out different categories. Like as a dad, um, what kind of person do I want to be? And I have my dad. I want, Lord, help me be a father like my dad was to me. And then, you know, as a husband, I have Dudley Anderson, the way he loved Beverly and just, okay, how would Dudley handle this situation like Jesus loving her? And then um, the finisher on this is, is uh, Reverend Tommy Lee Harper. And I love, he was a, he was a pastor 99 years old, he preached 500 times, but when his eyesight went out and they took the car keys away at 98, he didn't get all down depressed. He considered it a new ministry opportunity. He put on an orange hat, hunter's hat, so he wouldn't get hit, and started a hitchhike ministry. And he'd go out when he needed to go to the store hitchhiking down the road, praying, Lord, help me ride with somebody who needs Jesus. And he'd lead people to Christ, hitchhiking. Isn't that awesome? God will allow, if he allows you to make it to 72, probably be some people around you watching how you finish. Here's the thing. How we finish is determined by how we're living today, right? It's not like we'll get to 72 and just flip a switch. Okay, I'm going to be a hope-filled person. It means being a hope-filled person today. Warren Worsby says the older we get, the more we become like ourselves, right? Or someone said um, age is really the exaggeration of youth. So who am I becoming today? This year, we've been focused on living hope-filled lives, putting our hope day by day, ups and downs, in the unfailing love of our Lord. And so we'll wrap up with the, the promise that, that uh, really is a, a hope-fueled promise over in Isaiah chapter 46, aimed at this season of life. And if you're in this season, I just pray God brings this verse home to your heart. Isaiah 46, 4. 
God is talking to Israel, his covenant people, that the transferable principle is, this is the character of God that, that I think we can apply to our own lives as we're in our season of age. He says this, even to your old age and gray hairs, I am he. I am he who will sustain you. I have made you and I will carry you. I will sustain you and I will rescue you. Isn't that a precious promise? I, I love that just the caption, carried by God. So we hit this last season of life to know he made us, he has sustained us, and he will carry us through. Would you join me in prayer? Father, we thank you for your word to us today, this prayer in Psalms, and just to know that our productivity in the kingdom of God does not hinge on our strength, but on your empowering presence. And so I pray for each of us, Lord, that we would live rooted in your presence, bearing fruit in each season of our life. Lord, I thank you for the opportunities that you give us in this season of age to, to uh, share our stories of your faithfulness, to be an encouraging presence, and to leave a legacy of hope. And I pray for those who are in the season of age specifically today, Lord, that you would just encourage them strengthen them, empower them for what you're calling them to. And I thank you for the, the precious promises of your word, like this one in Isaiah 46, 4. That just help us pause and see the big picture. That as our strength diminishes, it's an opportunity to rest in your all-sufficient power and that you will see us through. Thank you for the gift of life. Thank you for each year passes as a church family. Lord, we thank you so much for those who are in this season and what an encouragement they are to those of us who are coming up behind them. Lord, I do pray for your grace over them today. Pray that you would meet each one where they are, provide courage, strengthen for each step of their journey. Thank you for the privilege of being a help and encouragement to them. Thank you for all that they offer to us. We pray all this in Jesus' name.